Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback... USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. little special Tuesday episode as I am going away to Utah and Wyoming, of all places, uh, over Memorial Day weekend, getting a little... Uh, Outdoor activity, a little fresh air, get away from uh, the city for a couple days and recharge the battery. So still wanted to make sure we got an episode out this week. We're going to talk with Dalvin Osario, longtime contributor, writer, podcaster, Mr. Do Everything for Turn on the Jets, uh, about some different narratives around this team at this current spot of the offseason, and also talk a little bit about the current state of Jets coverages. Uh, you know, so many more different... Uh, publications, writers, podcasts pop up, just kind of talk about sort of our opinions and view on things and how they've changed over the past few years. Before we get into that, want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check them out at primesport.com slash turn on the Jets for all of their ticket and hospitality packages. Also, make sure to give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at Prime Sport. This podcast is also brought to you by Razor Sport. R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. Gambling is legal now, especially if you are a New Jersey resident. So you have to make sure to join that members section at Razorsport.com. And, of course, give them a follow on Twitter as well, at Razorsport Club. So follow Prime Sport. Follow Razor Sport. Support the friends of the pod. A uh, couple other quick PSAs. Make sure to check out our new Instagram account. We've been working with our, our new friend at Chili Graphics, who does some great jersey swaps. Had a good one on Dimitri Flowers. So make sure to check us out over on Instagram. We'll also be doing different giveaways throughout the month of June. That's just Instagram.com slash turnonthejets underscore IG. Dalvin actually hosted a, a live pick six today, answering some of your questions about the team, and that's something that we'll continue to do with some consistency going forward of course remember to subscribe and rate this podcast on itunes you could also find it on google play and spotify follow draft season which is now also available on google play and hosted by dalbin follow the jet take which is every wednesday hosted by kyle fahey and ben blessington follow play like a jet hosted by scott mason which runs every friday follow stick to the jets which is hosted by connor rogers which runs every monday a lot of podcasts. We also just launched a new one called Buck the Trend, hosted by Daniel Eason. We will have the iTunes feed live for that later in the week, but episode one is available on the website. Okay, 
with all that PSA paperwork <laughs> out of the way, Dalbin Asario, how you doing? Thank you for taking the time for joining us today. No, man. You know what? When you said you were going to Wyoming, I said, man, I hope he's not looking for like the new Josh Allen or something like that. So that way we, you know, we don't have to travel there and do turn on the Jets Wyoming and scout this kid. Um, No, it's good to be back, man. You know, draft season's been, you know, back and better than ever now that Joe Malfa's joining me. So shout out to him. Uh, And yeah, I mean, and we even forgot the announcement of Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith's new podcast, Turn on the Jets Film Room. So there's a lot of a lot of new stuff going on at TOJ, so just glad to be back with you, Joe, as always. Yeah, man, it's busy. We were just talking off the air about um, how much more is going on now. I mean, there was a time where it was just like me, Dalvin, and like two or three other people just kind of messing around on the site. Now we have seven, eight different podcasts, 15, 16, 17 different contributors across multiple languages, um, Instagram. It's good. It's very exciting, and uh, we're very supportive for all the uh, support. I mean, not to be redundant, but it's been uh, it's been great to see all of the interaction and the site continue to grow, and we're really excited about this season. I think this season will be a lot more exciting and fun than some of the recent ones may have been, and I think the Jets are headed in a right headed in the right direction. So why don't we start there, Dalvin? We want to focus on some of the different narratives around this team. One of the uh, common ones I see, and I, I think this tweet was on Friday, it was someone basically uh, sharing a vomit gif about the Jets' collection of wide receivers. And look, <laughs> the Jets have had an underwhelming group of receivers outside of the year where they had Marshall and Decker both go over 1,000 yards, when you, at, least, at least when you looked at it on paper. So it's become sort of like this common thing. And I think what people fail to recognize and why that tweet was deleted, probably besides a bunch of people pointing this out directly to him, is that if you really look at the numbers, the Jets have four guys who have been over 800 yards in one of the last two seasons and two guys who have been over 950 yards. All four of those guys are also over 6'1". So Jermaine Kearse, Terrell Pryor, Quincy Inouye, and Robbie Anderson. And I think Look, if the Jets have been bad the past two years, so I understand if Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inouye are not necessarily household names. I, I don't necessarily expect someone who focuses more on just covering the league in general, in general to know all that much about those guys, although I, I think they should, considering Robbie Anderson had seven touchdowns last year and was right on the cusp of 1,000 yards. But I think people forget that you know Inouye is supposed to be 100% healthy was up around 900 yards in 2016 and played a ton on a, a good 2015 team that won 10 games and is a really versatile player. And then with Curse and Pryor, I think with Curse, I think people might have thought he just fell out of the league when he left Seattle, but he did have over 800 yards and I think five or six touchdowns last mm-hmm. season. And with Pryor, the expectation isn't that Pryor is going to be this team's lead receiver, right? He is the number four guy, a guy who could hopefully be a situational deep threat and red zone target. And to have a guy like that who was over 1,000 yards in 2016, not bad for your depth overall. So when you see people criticize, maybe not even just the group of receivers, but Mm -hmm. the Jets' skill position at large, I mean, what are your thoughts about the state of this group and and where do they kind of fit in league-wide? Well, and it's interesting because, like, you mentioned the top four, and that's before you get to Charles Johnson, who's had a productive year in, the, in, in this – in a, pro- a productive couple of years as a receiver in this league. Uh, you have Andre Roberts, who's also veteran depth and probably going to be competing for the primary kick return and punt return slot. And so here's – so I'll preface what I'm going to say by saying this. In years past, the Jets would be going into this season with our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen being called upon to play significant snaps, right, right from the start. And you're seeing you're in a scenario now with a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback that's coming in with arguably 
if you if you if if we're being entirely honest and entirely fair, I I struggle to think of many teams that can go four receiver deep with who the Jets have, right? And so, for example, like I look at Atlanta, they have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu. So I think that tops. I think it's them. I think you have the Giants who have Beckham and and Sterling Shepard. I think you have Green Bay who has uh, Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams and. and, and yeah, Devontae Adams. So I think that's it's a good group. You look at Oakland, who has Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson, right? So like they're top heavy. But I can't think of a team that can go four deep. You look at maybe Cleveland, who has Corey Coleman, Jarvis Landry, and Josh Gordon. That's a pretty big trio. But to go four deep and four productive receivers, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that can do that. Um, and and now again, it's not saying that the Jets have the best wide receiver core in the league at all. That's not it because I think there's a gap between guys like Beckham, Julio. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller is another good duo. But there's a gap between the top receivers and who the Jets are trotting out there as their number one. But I'm talking about four productive receivers. Now, for me, the, the Terrell Pryor signing, I, and the Jets were in on Jarvis Landry, too. So clearly they realized that they were, uh, that they were trying to uh, – that they needed to improve their wide receiver core, right? So they were in on Jarvis Landry. There was some talk about Allen Robinson. They ended up signing Pryor, which I think is a good sign. It's, I think it's a good depth signing, but I wouldn't expect as much as you mentioned. I think also what, what, what's, what happens with the Jets in particular is that you see this wide receiver core, and then you see their defensive line, and then you see their secondary, and you see their running backs, and it's maybe not their secondary, but you see their defensive line and their running backs. It's not a group that will wow you, but it is a group that should be functional, right? Because, again, Quincy Anua is very versatile. You, Robbie Anderson can play out of the slot if they, if they needed him to. Jermaine Kirsch was a contributor on a Super Bowl-winning team. So, again, it's another guy that should contribute. And then you have Terrell Pryor, who was pretty bad in, in Washington last year on and off the field, but seems motivated, seems like he's going to try and cash in. He's still only under 26, which, again, some wide receivers don't figure it out to their third year of playing the position. He's only played the position for two years full-time. So it's going to be interesting. I think the Jets have a better wide receiver core than a lot of people predict. And they also have a better running back core than they predict. I think, again, very few teams can go four running backs deep with four running backs that have been, well, three running backs that have been productive and a, and, and a rookie who has flashed a little bit. But the Jets have, they have Thomas Rawls in the backcourt. They have Elijah McGuire. They have Isaiah Crowell. And they have Bilal Powell. I think, again, they have some intriguing pieces at a lot of positions. Even at tight end, you have Chris Herndon and Bucky Hodges and Clive Warford. Guys that have produced or have flashed somewhere, whether it's college or the NFL. So they, on offense in particular, they have some guys that are intriguing. What do you, where, do you, where would you put the, the Jets wide receiver core going into this season? I guess on top of your head. I mean, look, if I lay them all out, they're probably somewhere like in the either like high teens or like high, um, high teens, low 20s. I don't know, maybe like 18 to 23. I really got to, you know, you got to look at every depth chart. But I look around the division like, they definitely have a better group of receivers than Buffalo. I'd say they have a better group of receivers potentially than Miami, assuming that Danny Amendola is only one of those guys who's only good in New England. Right. Um, you know, I, a lot of people would say, yes, they also have a, be- a better group than New England, but I think when you factor in what Gronk does and if Edelman's healthy, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt in the near term. But the point is, is that this is not like the worst group in the NFL. It's not, I would say, even one of the bottom three or four groups in the NFL. You look at some of the other collections out there, you know, the Ravens um, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. I just think 
it's weird to me that the Jets have two guys who are 24, 25 years old who have both put together like very good, encouraging, explosive seasons with bad quarterbacks, and they're just overlooked as being basically like journeyman players who are not potentially guys who could be over 1,000 yards, and they're almost already there. So I would guess that the Jets probably net out somewhere, like I said, in that 18 to 23 range. Um, and it's just a narrative that they're going to have to you know, go against. I think there'll be more eyes in the Jets with Sam Darnold under center. Hopefully that's sooner rather than later. And maybe that leads to a little more exposure for guys like Robbie Anderson and Quincy Inouye. And then in my mind, whatever you're getting at a curse prior, Hanson, Stewart, any of these other guys is gravy on top of that. Because I think those two guys, along with some of the running backs you mentioned, are going to be the main focal points of the offense uh, coming out here in 2018. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And somebody and somebody had asked us in the pick six earlier on, the, on on IG, they said, well, what do what do you expect the differences to be between Bates versus Morton? And I think the one thing that I am looking at the numbers and looking back at Bates and Dennison's track record compared to, to, to Morton last year. The one thing that the Jets are going to do is you're going to see, and this is probably where a guy like Dimitri Flowers comes in, like they're going to use more personnel with a fullback, whereas Morton ran out there four wide, three wide, and a tight end. Very rarely did they use a fullback, if at all. And so I think this year you're going to see more of that, which, like you said, puts more onus on the running backs, but also on that short game with Chris Herndon, Clive Warford, maybe Bucky Hodges, maybe Jordan Leggett, maybe Eric Tomlinson. So I think, and, and one of the things that I've even, when I look back on Dennison and Bates and their numbers, they it's very similar to Chan Gailey and the sense that they funnel targets through the, the top two or three guys. And Quincy Anu was a guy who's, I mean, he's he was being compared to Brandon Marshall without the baggage before he got hurt. So he didn't suddenly forget how to play. He can win on the outside. He can win in the slot. And those intermediate routes, those short to intermediate routes, what that does is it opens it up vertically for Robbie Anderson to blow by every corner that tries to cover him one-on-one. So kind of building off this, Jet fans get worked up when uh, – these rankings come out or the Super Bowl odds come out and they're, you know, the bottom of the list. And I've kind of put this out there before. I don't necessarily think that they are guaranteed to be at that, you know, 32 spot or 31 spot. Um, yeah. But, um, I, again, I don't think you could get too mad about it because again, this team has been bad for a while. So, they are not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Do I think if you put their roster on paper that it's the worst in the NFL? No. Do I think they're going to win the least amount of games in the NFL? No. Just like I did last year. I think we both thought they were going to win four, five, six games, and that's exactly what they did. I think they're probably a game or two better than they were last year, depending on how things break. So I, I asked a question over the weekend, basically, where they fit in the AFC, and I'll have an article out later tonight, actually, about where ultimately I put them. I think most people said anywhere from basically 9 to like 14, which I think is probably pretty fair. I think it's a matter of how you feel about certain teams' quarterbacks and certain Mm -hmm. teams' uh, dev chart at offensive line or pass rusher. I think that's probably pretty fair. I mean, they were five and eleven last year. They picked sixth in the draft before the trade up, you know, for a fair reason. I think most preseason rankings will have them at probably thirteen to sixteen in the AFC and maybe twenty eight to thirty two in the NFL. And that's probably a little low, and I think they could over overachieve to that, quote unquote. Where where do you see them overall in the AFC? Well, the AFC is so interesting because again, like I I really like what New England did in terms of the draft by taking Isaiah Wynn in round one and, again, replacing Nate Solder with a younger version of him, right, if he plays left tackle or a guard if they move him to the inside. Um, And then Denver got 
Denver went and spent on Case Keenum, who I do not think is very good. Um, but again, their defense should be better. They added Bradley Chubb opposite Von Miller, which is super scary. Um, Oakland, it seems to be on a mission to field the oldest team in the NFL. Um, but realistically, like if you look at, like I, I look at a team like Houston, and Houston to me appears to be the the team that could get hot at the right time, and they have exciting quarterback play, and I think they could be right at the top of New England. Pittsburgh's always going to be in there because Ben Roethlisberger, for all of his personality quirks, still is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. They have Bell and Brown. With the Jets, it's interesting. If you rank them, so I, when you posed the question over the weekend, I was, like, I was like, where would I put them? Like, I would put them ahead of Miami and Buffalo because I think Miami and Buffalo are a really bad team, um, and that's in the division. I would put them ahead of a team like Indianapolis, who, again, like, and I like Andrew Luck. I think he's a franchise quarterback, but you don't know what you're going to get with him, so I think you got to put him ahead of them. I think you have to put them ahead of Baltimore because Baltimore is not a very good team. And until Baltimore decides to do what they need to do, and let's insert Lamar Jackson into the starting lineup, they're going to be a bad team. So that's already four teams that I'm putting the, I'm putting the Jets ahead of, and that's not counting a team like Oakland, which, again, I, I could make the argument that they're better than Oakland. And I could make the argument that they're better than Denver, depending on what case kingdom you get. But, again, you're talking about in that, what, in that 11 to 16 range. And I think that that's fair. I think I think what happens with Jet fans, and, again, this, this, this is a great pivot to, like, just how the team is covered in general, but everybody gets so worked up whenever anything gets released about the Jets. And then in turn, here's what happens, right? So a guy like Mike Clay says, oh, yeah, the Jets are going to pick first overall, right? And then everybody reacts, and then Mike Clay's like, oh, you know what got me clicks the next, the last time? Me talking about the Jets, so let me do it again. So I think that that lends it. I think it's kind of a dog-eat-dog world in that sense. But you're looking at a Jets team that, again, has to prove, one, they don't have a legitimate pass rusher off the edge, so they have to prove that they can get to the quarterback. They have a rookie quarterback probably starting week one. They have a, a number one receiver that hasn't played football in a year because it's still Quincy Nua. Nua's still their best receiver. They don't have a tight end. They have questions about the offensive line. They lost Mo Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson. I know Sheldon Richardson was traded last year, but again, first full year without either of them. And first full year without either of them in about five years. It's going to be hard to figure out exactly where this team fits. But right now, I'd have to rank them in that 11, like in that sec in that third tier of the AFC of guys, of teams that can make maybe get into the playoffs, but it's not a team that you can sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to bank on that team for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think these things are worth getting worked up about. It's May. Things are going to change still. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be further transactions. And with the state of the Jets, it's, it's a seven-year playoff drought, and it's been 10-23 and 23 over the last two years. That That's where most of this uh, comes from. And they're going to have to start winning some games first and, and turning that around. So I, th- I think kind of like you said, it, do- it does lean into the overall state of coverage of the team, which, look, I think we try to avoid making any sort of crazy over-the-top hot takes about them being too good or about being too bad. And I think most of our you know, picks last year and what our expectations were reflect that and one of the things I I do like particularly now that we have so many people is we do get a a, a good variety of opinion in my mind we're not there's not wide agreement on every issue and I always think it's a little off or a little weird when everybody who's following a team echoes or parrots the exact same opinion on the exact same issue outside of maybe a handful of things. And I, I like right. to think that we, you know, we've avoided that. I'm sure there are times that we haven't, and it's something, you know, we'll, we'll tr- we try to be mindful of going forward, but you also don't want to just be putting out there, you know, 
an asinine opinion just to be putting out um, an asinine opinion. And sometimes that's something that needs to happen or people feel that needs to happen because it's such a crowded marketplace of websites, ide- you know, ideas, podcasts, articles, whatever it is, whatever it is, you name it. And I just think that number has exponentially grown over the past seven, eight years, and I, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So, you know, the approaches you take to cover the team from a unique angle, uh, the shortcut way of doing it is to really saying something completely outlandish and not backing it with anything. Uh, if you're going to give a take that would be considered a little more outside the box, hopefully it's backed up in some way with some type of data, tape, anything. I mean, what are you thinking about kind of where we're at and how it's different from eight, nine, ten years ago? Well, and I mean, I think you nailed it on the head, right? It's It's grown... In, an insane amount of coverage, which I mean, I, one, I think is great because it pushes you to be better than, you know, like, again, it's the whole like Madden argument, right? Once they got rid of NFL 2K, Madden kind of coasted on their laurels. Like we, we are the John Madden of Jets coverage, right? And so I think we'd hate to sit there and be like, man, that's crazy. Like we don't have to put out any quality content because we don't have any competition. So I think that's one I do. And I mean, I say this humbly, I do not believe that we do have competition because I think again, our stuff is super unique. But one of the things that I have found is that I think, I think there's a, there's a heavy dose of, of good balance coverage, which I think we provide. And then the extremes, right? So you have people who are super negative, which you have that with certain sites or whatever. And then you have the extreme homerism, which you have, like, not necessarily with sites, but, like, with, you know, offline content and things like that. And that stuff always throws me because I I think the, the truth is in the middle, right? So, like, when you have somebody constantly – Christian Hackenberg, when you have somebody constantly parroting how good he looks, how good he looks, how good he looks, and nothing backs that up, then you can see right through that. When you have somebody parroting, oh, they should cut Robbie Anderson, they should cut Robbie Anderson, and nothing backs that up, you can see right through that. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to change, but the one thing that – the one thing that's real that the reality of anybody who enters the arena now is going to have to deal with is that nobody's better at it than us, right? And so I think like you either you either shape up or ship out, you either rise up or move to the side. And I think Jet fans in particular, like I had I, I, like last week, a forty-year-old Jet fan. His name is uh, I think his name is John Philippi, not to be confused with Joe Philippi, who's Christian Hackenberg's stepdad. But John Philippi was like, oh, I've been a fan for so long. Like, you guys are great, blah, blah. And stuff like that still means so much to us, right? Because, like, we, we remember what it was like when it was only five or six of us seven, eight years ago. The one, thing that I, the one thing that does stand out more now is, again, because there's so much, it's much easier to sift through the mud and the bad content and just be like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to leave that at a newsstand in Hoboken. I'm not even going to pick that up. And I think that's the reality. But, yeah, it's been interesting, man. It's been interesting to see how much has cropped up, specifically for the Jets how much has cropped up, and just how informed Jet fans are becoming, and I think we contribute to that. Yeah, I think um, for NFL fans in general, it's um, there's really like a wealth of information out there right now, and there's a lot of different places to get it from. And I think Jet fans are similar to fans of other teams, other NFL teams, other professional sport teams, and any you know any way to act like that they're less informed or act crazier than any other group of fans that's i don't necessarily agree with that i think the way that they overrate their own players which you know we're guilty of at times too is common to sports fans uh of any team the way that they get annoyed or bothered by people saying their team is among the worst in the nfl normal and i think this has been you know sort of a weird you know a weird a frustrating prolonged drought 
for the playoffs, and I think for a lot of Jet fans around our age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, this is the first time, you know, since we've been adults, they've been bad for this long. I mean, they were decent and competitive every year from 1997 through 2010, and now we're sort of looking at them back in the super early 90s or, you know, the 70s when they had these long droughts of being a bad football team. And that also makes it more of a challenge to cover the team because it's right. it's easier to do when they are good and winning football games and there is a heightened level of interest. When you're bad for a long time, apathy does start to set in with the fan base. You just have to look at the crowds at Jet Games last, last year. When you're not winning football games, that's the kind of stuff that plays out. So, um, it's going to be interesting, and I think that's why you know this was an exciting off season. I think they there's a new sort of source of energy around the team when you get a franchise quarterback and you make a move to go get that guy. And I, I think Darnold was obviously more than qualified to go with the third overall pick. We need to see how it plays out still, but I think there's rightfully excitement around the team heading into this year. Any uh, final words or thoughts, Theo? Yeah, I mean, and uh, Rich Simony wrote an article, I think, last week, and a lot of Jet fans got mad at him because, you know, he talked about, and again, I think Rich has done a much better job over the last couple of years of just offering more of a bit fair and balanced take, but what he had said was, just because that it worked out in the Jets' favor and they were able to take Darnold this year doesn't mean that passing on the quarterbacks last year was a mistake, right? And again, they took they took Adams last year over Mahomes and Watson. And again, now they have Darnold. So everybody's like, oh, see, Mac knew what he was talking about. But there's no way that McCagnan knew that Darnold would be on the board at three last year, right? And so I think uh, – and a lot of people got upset about that. And they were like, oh, it's okay to be optimistic. And that's more what I'm talking about. Like, you're right. It is easier to write for the team when things are well. But – I think also you like th- like there's so many things that go into winning a football game in general that on any given Sunday there's so much to talk about again from the good and the bad and I think what Jet fans need to do is just to have a better ground on reality and understand that not everything is an attack it doesn't mean it's it's, it's an attack on you it doesn't mean that you need to take everything personal but if the team is bad we're gonna have to cover them that way and if they're good we're gonna have to cover them that way too and just expect for the content to be consistent. All right, we are going to wrap it up here. Everyone, make sure to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. I'm going to Wyoming now, and we will continue to push forward with the content. This will run on uh, Tuesday. We're recording it on Monday. Uh, we'll have a 12-pack on Wednesday. We'll also have Play Like a Jet, Jet Take, all our other podcasts and articles running throughout the weekend, so make sure you're following along at turnthejets.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. And don't forget, this is one of many great podcasts at Turn on the Jets Digital, including Stick to the Jets with Connor Rogers. Brand new episodes Monday, Tuesdays, it's draft season with Dalvin Asario and Joe Malfa. And over the next couple of weeks, it's also going to be the 2017 film review of Sam Darnold at USC. Joe Blewett will join me to break it down. We've already done the first two weeks and we get into... Part number three this week, which should drop later today if you're hearing this in the morning on Tuesday. Joe is as good as it gets with breaking down film. So if you're excited about Sam Darnold becoming the quarterback of the Jets and you want to learn everything you can about him from a film perspective, this is the show for you to listen to. It is a prelude to what we are going to be bringing you sometime within the next month or two. The TOJ Film Room with Joe Blewett and Kyle Smith, two of the best there are at breaking down film on Jets Twitter, and in the podcast world, and they're coming together to join forces. Really excited for that show. If you want a little bit of a preview of what it's going to be like, make sure you tune in 
to the Tuesday Sam Darnold film review sessions with myself and Joe Blewett over the next couple of Tuesdays. Wednesdays, it's the Jet Take with Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington taking your calls live at 8 o'clock. Call in, let them know what's on your mind from a Jets perspective. And then if you miss the show live, you can download it the next morning on Thursday for your commute to work, which is also when the Turn on the Jets podcast is normally available with Joe Caparoso. This week, of course, a bit of a different situation because Joe is traveling, but normally the show is available on Thursday morning and on Friday morning. It's my podcast, Play Like a Jet, with my tag team partner, Big John Sparopoulos. This week, we get into part three of our discussion on the 1998 season with Nickelback Ray Mickens, who was one of the best Nickelbacks in franchise history. Eight excellent seasons with the Jets. Last week, boy, did he have some fun stories, including the fact that Bill Parcells had to be held back from almost getting into a fight with fans in the stands during a Week 2 matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Imagine if that would have happened now, all the uproar that would have happened with social media and YouTube and all of that. Lots of other great stories that Ray has ahead of us that you do not want to miss. So if you miss Part 1 or Part 2 of our series on 1998 with Ray Mickens, go ahead into our archives and check them out. And there will be a brand new episode, Part Number 3, on Friday. Also, make sure you don't miss our newest podcast, Buck the Trend with Daniel Essien, where he goes in-depth about the players, coaches, and front office personnel that have changed the game. They've gone against the grain, and they've made incredible changes, a huge impact on the sport of football. He's going to go through each week different guys who have bucked the trend and so if you didn't get a chance to listen to the premiere episode last week, make sure you go ahead and listen to that. And there will be a brand new one on Saturday. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Follow Turn on the Jets at TurnOnTheJets underscore IG on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please go ahead over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, but it really helps us out a lot. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. And remember, for all the latest in New York Jets news and information, visit your one-stop shop, turnonthejets.com.